Bit of a throwback. Good throwback. Good throwback. G'day punters, uh, welcome to another episode of Tongue Tied. Uh, if you weren't at Everest Day on Saturday at Randwick, uh, gee, you missed out because you would have, uh, you've missed out on three or four days straight of having Sweet Caroline stuck in the back of your head and, and singing it non-stop. Uh, Brody, it was, a, it was an absolute ripper day on course, wasn't it? It was unbelievable. I've never experienced atmosphere like that in my life, apart from maybe in Origin, State of Origin at Suncorp Stadium, just singing Sweet Caroline and when Nature Strip, we were right next to the fence when he walked out in front of us, and when you've got hundreds of people around you all cheering on J-Mac, and, um, and I'm sure he would have had it the whole way down, and I'm sure you could recognise the, um, the cheer when J-Mac skipped a couple in front and he had an ass, but then the deafening silence when he got past. You even watch that chopper shot, you can hear the screaming, and as soon as Giga Kick gets past him, everything just goes quiet. It was, um, I've never experienced something like that on a racetrack. No, it was uh, it was pretty eerie in a way, wasn't it? Like it, um, it got so loud, and and I, I wasn't on Nature Strip. I was on Private Eye, and we had a we had a fair bet on uh, Nature Strip in the Punters Club, and so it was kind of like I thought, all right, the Punters Club bet looks home here because Nature Strip's been cuddled and um, you know cruising into the at the top of the rise, and then when he looks like he hit a flat spot, I thought, oh, hang on, Brendan might just finish over the top here on Private Eye, and old Giga Kick. Uh, you know the the undefeated three year old hey over the top spoil the party but um, gee it was a great race really when you go back and watch it a couple of times the ride from Craig Williams the the training performance from from Clayton uh, I think it'll be one of the ones that we remember for a fair while and it could even be remembered because it was the one that Nature Strip got beaten in absolutely and I think um, to be completely honest I had um, I had two bets I had Master Crusader. <coughs> Excuse me, in Nature Strip, and I could not have been more wrong in both of those. Well, Nature Strip, he he was good. He was brave on speed, but he got beaten by horses that were just had the better run on the day. But I think Gigi Kick winning was the best thing for the Everest because it just you had a horse that going into the vent, everyone thought couldn't be beaten. Everyone thought he was just going to be too good. If he comes out and wins that race, it goes, oh, your Nature Strip's good. Where's the Everest hit? But now he's gotten beaten. All these slot holders, all these owners will know that the Everest is a different beast and if they're confident in their horse, they can take their horse there and win. That's it. And I think the first two horses past the post were actually the last two horses picked um, for a slot with uh, Private Eye and, and Giga Kick taking up those last couple of slots. And like you say, I think we'll see in 12 months' time, obviously Mars is already locked in and you know we're not going to see the race without Kiki Kick. We're not going to see you know Lost and Running not there. I dare say Nature Strip will probably be back for another go. But um, you know you've got you've you've sort of given the owners and and trainers a chance I think to to sort of hold off a little bit and not have to try and lock in a slot three or four months in advance to the race. Like it's uh, the way to do it maybe. But early uh, I know we're twelve months away. We're, we've already got a market. Kiki Kick's your eight dollar favourite with the tab. Nature Strip as well. Uh, I thought Mazu was a cracker and uh, on Saturday as well to run third, but a bit of water to go under the bridge yet. Uh, the Caulfield Cup, mate, that was the... It, it's weird, isn't it? It's, it's always been Caulfield Cup day and, and no one's talking about it. And, yeah, it wasn't the uh, the traditional Caulfield Cup field that we've seen in, in recent years, but I thought the race was a, a still a bit of a cracker, especially the last 200. You had the leaders still fighting and a few coming off their backs like Durston and Goldtrip. 
And what a week to have Andrew Hawkins on, tongue-tied. He <laughs> came in and gave a push, said it was one of the most talented stars he's had anything to do with, one of the most talented stars in Wallace's team. And if you followed him in, you would have got Renaissance Woman, you would have got Durston, you would have absolutely filled your pockets. And if you haven't seen the video of Hawk, um, I really recommend seeing his celebrations after. And as he watched it past the post, he, um, I know he's, some people have come out and given a little bit of slack and stuff, but if you know Hawk, the first thing you know, he's more than passionate about... He's one of the most passionate people you'll ever meet about horses and about racing. He's so passionate about the owners in a part of High Clear. He's so passionate about the whole team. He deserves it. And, and anyone who thinks that might have been a bit put on or staged, and yeah, no, it's, um, it certainly wasn't. That race would have meant so much to him. You saw how proud he was of the Wyong Cup, the Newcastle Cup, and we said to get the Caulfield Cup was unbelievable. And I forgot to ask you with Giga Kid. Is there some sort of Jason Taumalolo, Daily Cherry Evans 10-year contract now? <laughs> well, you'd, you'd almost have to think that someone would be trying to get him in, wouldn't you? He's a, he's a gelding. But, I mean, that wait for age, he's going to have to what go up, I think, six kilos next year. So, you know, whether or not he can turn the tables on a horse like Marzu or, um, you know, Private Eye lost and running as well, it'll, it'll be interesting. But it probably makes it even an even better race in 12 months' time, doesn't it? Absolutely. And then three-year-olds. They've won a couple of group ones already against the older horses. Cool and Gatter goes around again on Friday. She won the Moyer Stakes, and it takes me back to a couple of years ago when we had that outstanding three-year-old crop of bivouac exceedance, and that generation really dominated the older horses. But getting back to Caulfield, is there one horse out of the cup you're looking towards the Melbourne Cup, or are you keen on the internationals? Yeah, mate, it was uh, it was one of those races, wasn't it? I didn't know what to make of it when they went so slow out in front, and then... You know, the, the leaders were entitled to, to kick on. Obviously, Montefilia, she was the eye-catching uh, horse from the back. I thought, um, you know, Vaughan Declare, a lot of people talking about uh, how he's back. I know you're one of, you're probably leading that bandwagon at the moment. And, you know, whether or not he's where he was three years ago when he won the cup, I don't know. Uh, Jewess, I'm still I'm still in her corner for, for the first Tuesday in November. I thought, uh, I thought she is just crying out for a dry track and two miles. And, you know, she's already, in hindsight, I've backed her a few times already this prep, but in hindsight, you're a, what is she, a five-year-old mare who's already got 55 and a half kilos in the cups. Um, you know, maybe maybe she's not been there to win. Uh, you know, you win a Caulfield Cup, get a penalty, and maybe she's not quite up to it to carry that, that really big weight in a Melbourne Cup, but no penalty. She's snuck in, and she'll be crying out for the trip. Uh, so probably Jewess, the one I'm, you know, following the most out of. I thought Allegron was all right as well late, Um but, you know, he probably has to improve a little bit. How about yourself, mate? I'm really keen on Val Declare. I think he's um, I think he, he's a bit of a horse that copped a lot of knockers because he never quite backed up his Melbourne Cup run for a while there. He produced his career peak, actually, in the Australian Cup first up when he ran um, behind, can't remember who it was, maybe 50 stars. He was massive that day when he resumed over 2,000 metres at Flemington. Mm. And they took him to Sydney to Queen Elizabeth on a very fast race, and he just plough through the wet, oh, he, did play. he got destroyed by the wet, and he never was quite the same horse, but he was caught four and five wide throughout that race, he got covered momentarily, I think he's going really well, if it's a really dry deck, I think he's the horse I really want to be on, nothing out of the Geelong Cup really scares me at all, um, Emissary was a good winner, but couldn't imagine anything from the Geelong Cup coming out and really challenging those, I need to do some more research on the internationals, but Vow and Declare... I'm not going to take a ticket because I'm not going to get a price on the day, but I'm, he's the horse I'm in the corner of at the moment, especially if he gets a soft draw. Yeah, that's it. Not many, uh, not many past cup winners would get in with 54 kilos either. Um, 
I think that's the big thing. So, you know, he he's, he's won the race. Do you reckon he's got a two-year plan to go horribly? <laughs> I reckon somehow they would have rather win a race between now and then, but uh, <laughs> hey, it might it might have worked. <laughs> but they're probably they're probably still counting the dollars after uh, twenty. What was it? Twenty twenty, not twenty nineteen. Jeez, twenty nineteen. Jeez. Well, Vow and Declare hasn't won since since then. I don't think I have either, to be honest. But um, maybe maybe this weekend will change that, mate. Uh, Randwick, we, we've already sort of mentioned about the Everest Day, but any horses you want to follow out of that meeting on Saturday? I know there was... We both we both saved on. We, we can't really spruik it too much because we didn't tip it anywhere. It was kind of just uh, lining up in the bar and said, you know, who's a chance here? Rocketing by. Let's have let's have 20 on it and just, just hope. And uh, that race, the Sydney Stakes, it's, uh, a, a few eye-catchers come out of it. Yeah, we um, we did have that saver on Rocky Bike because we were standing in the mountain yard and we were watching him go around in front of us. And I was really keen on I was really keen on Special K. I think he would have come out and bolted in on that race with his run in the Everest. But he went up to the Everest, and then we saw. And I was really keen on Remark. I thought he might press his case in the fast run race to say he's a sprinter who's really come back well. But he was caught three wide. He was only fair. He ended up getting defeated a few lengths. But in the mountain yard, we've been both bullish on Rocketing by that he's been in horribly placed or prep. They've just needed not really horribly placed, but he's running well. And they drop him back in grade, he'll win. But kudos to David Pfeiffer and Connections. They got their money on Saturday. They deserved that victory. And we were just lucky enough. Well, I had $10 on. And I thought I was pretty happy. And you had the full 20 and walked away with a very nice collection, $70 pop it. I was watching Remark and I was cursing and then all of a sudden my back started getting absolutely smacked as he started riding Rachel King and started screaming and rocketing by. Yeah, it's, um, I saw the run on the fence come and I thought, oh, here we go. Um, we, might, we might be on here. Um, but it was a good win. I thought in the Congo was, was... No, I just had... I think I had $25, $25 bonus bet the snows at, at 60s. <laughs> It was probably it was the worst bet I've ever had, but it's it's worked. <laughs> <laughs> um, You'll take it. In yeah, I'll take it. That's it. In the Congo, uh, brave in front. I thought J Mac probably went home a little bit early on him, really. And if he had to wait a little bit longer, he probably gets the job done. He's a Golden Rose winner. Where do they go now? Do they go to a nature strip over thirteen hundred in a fortnight, or do they go back against four year olds to a Golden Eagle at fifteen hundred? Um. Or see neither. I'm not too sure. No, I think I think they have to go to one of the two. I'd personally go. Um, I'd personally go the Nature Strip because 1300 yeah. looks perfect for him, and 1300 around Rose Hill. If we get a dry deck, he's going to do something like he did in the Golden Eagle. It's Golden Rose. He's yeah. just going to go hard, and he's going to go for a long time. Um, this seems like a real setup play for that weekend. I'm not too sure where he goes. The team will know. I don't think they'll have any doubt in their minds. They would have known a long way out. But his run was really good on Saturday. He died late, but seriously, you can follow half the field out of um, that race because I'm going to highlight one here or two. I think um, Waihaha Falls was outstanding, and I know you're going to highlight another one, so I'm going to leave that one up to you. But Waihaha Falls, for me, he was he was sensational from a wide gate. If he draws a gate, he wins. Yeah, he was really good, uh, and you know he's he's firmed a fair bit. I think he's into eleven or twelve dollars for that Nature Strip Stakes now. Wahaha Falls, so uh, the horse is absolutely flying. And look, one that I think it was made the black book on the first episode actually. Brutality after uh, flying home behind Lost and Running and Co. Um, first up, 
and geez, he was uh, he was my main bet in the race on Saturday, and I screwed the ticket up at the at the turn. I thought, oh, he's just way too far back. You know, Cathy couldn't do too much. Drew Barry twenty one. You know, what are we going to do really on a horse like that over twelve hundred? But checked the semaphore board, and the number was up there for running sixth. I thought, holy moly, it's moated again. So. Um, he'll be winning a race very shortly. Whether or not it, it, it could be that nature strip, 1300 at Rose Hill. Um, he probably wants probably wants fourth up, 1500 mile, I would say. But um, he's, he's really good to see him with a little bit of turn of foot there as well. So, a few to follow out of the Sydney Stakes there, punters. You know what would, might be his race is the Hunter. He ran the fastest last 200 in the entire meeting as well. Waihaha ran the seventh, but I think the Hunter, 1400 metres, mm. might be absolutely perfect. That at Newcastle, big track. Yep, that's it. Yeah. Any futures market with the TAB? <laughs> don't think so. Don't not, think. I don't think they've yet. got one out for that race. No, that's all right. We'll get there. We can. Uh, we can hopefully make a little bit of money this weekend. Um, what we'll do is we'll we'll start with Friday night. There's a group one up at the uh, at Mooney Valley. Um, the Manicato Stakes over 1,200 metres. Wait for age. Um, we won't go too deep into it because the boys on the, uh, you know, Paddy, Sam and BJ, they'll go through all the group ones. But um, I'm keen on one in the race and I'm pretty sure you are too, mate. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, um, you kick off, mate. You go first. Yeah, all right. Well, uh, look, I just think the way that the track's been playing lately at the Valley, you can't be too far back and making ground. Um, could get a little bit wet and a horse that I'm, I'm glad has ticked the 1,200 metre box. It had run second a couple of times. Over the over the 1200 metres, uh, and you know, as a two-year-old, it was winning races over 1200. But come back as a three-year-old, that's best of Bordeaux. Um, I really like the way this guy won. Uh, I think it was was it the Heritage Stakes last start, um, beating Sweet Roman Ride, Console. Who, Roman Console, even better. Um, so Timmy Clark goes on board. <laughs> he'll just go. He'll he'll cross them and lead from Barrier 14. I'm hoping or sit outside Cool and Gatter. But I thought the twelve dollars when you're going to be you know mapping pretty similarly similarly to Cool and Gatter, who's a third of that price. Um, I'm pretty keen to be on it each way. Big Bob. I um I agree with you. I was doing this race. I've um I did a preview for work and I was looking at it and I thought everyone's going to know. Everyone's going to think Manicato Stakes, lots of speed. There's not actually much speed in this race. You look at a best of Bordeaux going to cross and lead on his ear. Now, for gate 14, that's not a worry at all because you go through it, Cool and Gatter aren't going to lead. They're going to want to take a sit because she only just ran out a 1,000 metres on a conveyor belt first up. I doubt she'll, they'll be wanting to push her up to lead. Shakiro might come across, but I can't see them... Put, there's not much speed in this race at all. Maybe the astrologist might roll forward. Rothfire will probably try to take a sit. I think... I think Bob might get it his own way, but that's also why I'm keen to take on Pulele. I think you can't really... He's not a horse you can go out there and bet too heavily against because he's a Godolphin Colt. They're airborne, James Cummings, James McDonald. Not keen to go too hard against him. But I think there's one horse here they've had third up. This has been a grand final from day dot. Belinda Patina. Now, she charged at Coolangatta late. I couldn't believe she was still in the finish. She was caught three wide on the speed. She was caught wide on a track that you needed to be on the rails. She did all the hard work. She ran second in this race last year. She ran really well behind Lombardo and Snap Dancer during the winter. She also ran fifth behind Marabi last preparation at Caulfield. I think 1,200 metres. 
She's absolutely dying at this trick. Willow aboard gate two. I think she sits just alongside Cool and Gatter, just behind the leaders. And I think she's the one who's going to have the tactical advantage over Pulele, who might not corner too well at the valley. She loves the valley. I think one by three, she's an outstanding bet. She's probably the bet of the day for mine at the valley on the Friday. Yeah, well, that's it, Mason. I know um, I'm pretty sure Blakey's pretty keen on it too. I, I can't say too much given uh, we're with the green mob, but if you're a follower of the uh, the leg up, head over to the socials and there's a bit of a promo going around for Balanipatina as well. So um, keep an eye on that if you're keen to follow her in. Um, we'll go to Saturday, mate. We'll go to the Valley again. We'll have a, a two-night bender, two-day bender from Mooney Valley Friday night straight into Saturday. It is Cox Plate Day. Uh, one of the best races on the calendar for mine, mate. The, the, the famous two minutes, the best two minutes in racing and in sport, really. And uh, it is going to be a cracker. Enemo, Vizaki, uh, that, that's what you need, isn't it? El Bodegon, Gold Trip, Mr. Brightside, oh, the list goes on. Um, we won't start with the Cox Plate, but is there anything else on the, the Mooney Valley program that you're keen to bet, mate? No, I haven't really dived in too hard on this whole um, card because it's with this weather, it's a sort of race day. I'm going to be playing very late, but there's one horse I must highlight. We're getting $10 here. I was hoping for a little bit more. We were both really keen on this horse after its I, latest I already know who it is. The group one. <laughs> you already know who it is. Yes, you do. It's race number six, horse number eight, Banker's Choice. The Blinkers went on last start. He wouldn't have caught two Tuvalu. He probably wouldn't have finished in the placings, but I think he would have won, run fourth or fifth. Banker's Choice, Gate 5 here, there's lots of speed. Mark Zara goes aboard. Now, Froggy knew it was riding it really well, but you get Zara. He rode it first up behind, I wish I win. This horse is going awesome. Mile, it's just going to settle behind the speed. Blinkers on once again. I think he's awfully hard to beat. $10, he's my early play, because even if it's a heavy track, he's won two or six on a heavy, and he's won three or five on the good. Doesn't matter what ground it is, he'll be there ready to win, and I think he's peaking on Saturday. But all the other bets, I'm kind of waiting for the day. Yeah, I uh, I can have got you on, because if it's not me, it's you. Um, mate, my Wi-Fi, for some reason, I tried to wake up and, you know, try and put the World Cup on at 4.30 this morning, so... Already off to a stinker because the alarm was the alarm was set and uh, the Wi-Fi just was not working. The KO wasn't working and we've been on the hotspot all day. And apparently, halfway through a podcast, Wi-Fi decides to go. You know what? Let's try and work for the first time at, at three o'clock this afternoon and um, drop everyone out. But anyway, we're back. Um, Banker's choice. Yeah, agree. Wins. Uh, anything else? <laughs> Not on the Friday. When did you drop out? I didn't know how long I was going for before I lost you. But yeah, I think Banker's yeah. Choice is the bet for the day early for me. Um, yep. We'll talk about the Cox Plate in a few moments very quickly. But other races I'm keen to play quite late. The staying race, we were keen on Carif last week. He was quite disappointing. There's some horses in there. I think are really, really interesting to see how they go. Grand Promenade looks ready to go. And I think um, Francesco Guardi from Sydney, he's, he's racing really well. Yeah, he is, mate. So that's an interesting race, that really, because you've got you know Francesco Guardi, like you said, should have won the uh, should have won the Bart Cummings, really. Uh, you know, he nearly fell, checked off heels, and then motored late. But all right, you know, whether or not he's quite up to the, this lot, I don't know. But you know, like Desert Icon, he just loves racing at Mooney Valley, and you know, the twenty five hundred, yeah, maybe it'll be a stretch, but from Barrier One, he is just going to be in that perfect position again, isn't he? And if, if they are leading and, and winning there like they have been, um, I do think he'll be the ones to have to gun down. And I'm hoping that 
you know, half an hour later, 45 minutes later, it is just rinse and repeat, jump lead and win from barrier one, mate, because I think Zaki in the Cox Plate, I am his... I will stick my hand up. I am Zaki's number one fan. And, you know, I've got the T-shirt and I've, I've backed him every start and I've forced my way into the tie-up stools on Q22 day to get a photo with him. Literally but, forcing um, your way. Yeah, literally. So um, if he wins a Cox play, then, you know, I'm not too disappointed that he didn't run last year because uh, I think Tab it was did the early payout and it was the one bet I'd had cash bet on a futures market. So I, was, I got lucky there. But I'm, I'm calling this two from two. I got paid out last year. I was a winner last year and I think he can win it again. Just roll along. Alligator blood, bit of an injury cloud. If he comes out, <laughs> double your bet, punters. If Alligator Blood comes out, I think that's the best thing for Zaki in this race because mm. Alligator Blood... But I think they might take a sit on the blood because he, um, he won't run 2,000 metres, I'm quite confident. And if they roll forward, he certainly won't. So I think they need to take a sit. But Gay Wardhouse and Adrian Bott, you cannot doubt that combination. I agree with you. I think Zaki has been building for this. Um, I think all of his runs this prep, I think they, they really tapered off him early. I think the team... He's always sectional like he's been dying the last couple of hundred metres every single race, especially the last 50 to 100. And I think he's just been slowly building conditioning. Listen to a few mounting yard people. He's a horse that's been a, a run behind the rest. He looks like he's building for this race. He needs that high cruising speed. And I think on Saturday, I think this is go, go, go. I think after his first up win in the tramway, they just ease off him. And I think this will be his ready-to-go race. The slight query is how he'll go getting around the valley, but apparently he's had a fair few runs there, and apparently his track work um, on Tuesday morning where they had the breakfast and the barrier draw, people were saying he didn't lay it at all. He was like a greyhound. He just railed around. So everything's real positive, mate. This is this is an unbelievable race. You've got Maximal, who's been airborne his last two runs. He's $41. If it's a dry deck, he can really... Um, I don't think he'll win, but he can he can run a bit of a bottler. And Mr. Brightside, he was really good taking sit last start. This is just an unbelievable race. And we haven't even mentioned Enemo. If he wins this, he becomes a true champion. He's won group ones at two, three, four. And this could be his fourth straight group run as a four-year-old and a Cox Plate after running second last year and a dubious second as well. It's, it's an unbelievable race. I just cannot wait for it. Yeah, that's it. I think the uh, you know for the history books, you almost everyone wants to see Enemo win. Um, like you said, what, what's he won? He's won all three of his races this prep, and they've all been Group Ones against well, you know, obviously against the older horses because he's a four-year-old now. But um, yeah, if he can add a Cox Plate to his resume, and I think well, that'd be seven Group One wins. Um, there's talks of maybe one or two runs in the autumn in Sydney. Uh, next year and then Dubai for the Dubai turf and I would imagine you know that potentially Europe after that they've mentioned so I don't know what that looks like whether a race over the Royal Ascot Carnival and then then retire but um, you know it it almost gives you goosebumps just thinking about what could be if he continues the way he's going and you got to remember last start too and you know I was I was happy to be against him coming off that lameness issue Um, but you know for him to for him to really, well, I suppose, bounce back the way he did, um, I just think it's an absolute credit to the horse and how good he's going. But look, that's uh, you know that's going to be the one that people are talking about is whether or not Enemo can can come back from that injury. He, he was too good for them, and it'll be a really good test. But look, we'll we'll move on to Sydney, and there is a Group One in uh, at Royal Randwick, the Spring Champion Stakes. So now. Um, Profondo won this race last year. He's going around in the Cox Plate, so he hasn't won a race since. But it's, 
that'll certainly be an interesting form reference, I guess, to see how he goes. But the the fillies in this race, she's extreme and Renaissance Renaissance woman. Uh, the fillies have had a, a really good record in this race. I think made of made of heaven, I believe her name was. Won it a few years ago. Yankee Rose Montefilia. They're all all been winners of the race, and now these two fillies are trying to, you know, I suppose add their names to the record books. Uh, and Brody, if I've got you there, she's extreme. She's uh, she's coming out of the the flight stakes last start, and you know we've seen that really uh, that form reference really stand up in the past, haven't we? Going from a flight into a spring champion it used to be seven days between runs, though, I think, and now it's the two weeks. Yeah, this is some sort of race as well. We do have, as you mentioned, she's extreme now. Speaking to Brad, Brad Gray at Worth Sky Racing, and he's been so bullish on this filly taking on the boys for a very long time. He's given it a very, very good push, and we're both very keen on Renaissance Woman going towards the uh, VRC Oaks. I was wishing Renaissance Woman wouldn't go this way, but she's gonna, I was hoping she'd get wakeful into the VRC Oaks because I'm sitting on a very nice futures ticket there. So... I was hoping they'd play it safe for my own sake, but I think Renaissance Woman's going to give them a bit of chase. She's one horse if they go hard. She's going to be so strong late. And on the quick up, quick backup, she's going to be really strong. Prometo, we spoke about that horse. It comes through an extremely fast hill stakes. It goes up at a bit in weight. Gets Josh Parr from gate number five. It's going to settle just behind the speed. Whether it's wet or dry, he's going to lap it up, and he's going to be so fit. Lip. Elliptical, I think I might have butchered the name. He um, He's going all right, but I'm keen to take on this horse. I'm keen to take on the Guineas form. It wasn't a very fast run race. Elliptical, it was okay, but I'm really keen to take on. If Golden Mile was in this race, I'd completely take him on. Elliptical was stronger late, but I think I think he's a false favourite. I think he can back a host of horses to beat him. Prometo's one, Sharp and Smart's one, and I think Renaissance Woman, for me, she's extreme. You have to you have to back the team in, and she's drawn a little bit sticky. But yeah, I'm keen to take on elliptical overall, but mainly with Prometo and Renaissance Woman. Yeah, mate, I'm backing Prometo. I actually, I I nearly, I was I was really keen on Cascading. I thought he was the clear standout last Saturday, um, as we mentioned on here with Hawk. But um, Prometo looked an absolute treat in the mounting yard. I thought, and and the the run really backed that up. Yeah, he carried 50 kilos. He goes to 56 and a half, but you know, Cascadian's a three-dollar favourite in a in a champion's mile um, at weight for age kind of thing, and he only got beat three and a half lengths by him that day. He gets out to two thousand metres, which, you know, he wouldn't have beaten Cascadian over two thousand, but he would have been closer if they had gone an extra furlong that day. Um, I think he's really the one to beat. But the other one, like you said, sharp and smart. I almost expected him to be favourite and a clear favourite in this. To be honest, he won the. Won the gloaming, yeah, it was 1600. Didn't get to go to the 1800 like they would have liked, but he really toughed it out. And you know they've been talking this horse up for a fair while now, so um, you know you can probably back both of them and um, see how you go. But look, early on in the day, mate. So I think uh, without talking to you pre pre show, are we going to go to the first race, the Kirkham Plate, the two year olds for a bit? Because I reckon just a you know a little fanboy of the the Spy Files on the morning line. Uh, I reckon we're keen to see one, and um, I want you to pronounce it because I got a good laugh out of it. Uh, James <laughs> Cummings, Sam Clipperton, half-brother to Golden Mile, who we just mentioned. You, you heard me butcher it and have a good laugh, did you? <laughs> I did, yep. Dennis Laos. Dennis Laos, Dennis Laos. I think um, it might be... Um, I went to Germany a couple of times on a holiday, and I think um, 
I think it's a German name. I'm not too sure what it means or exactly how to say it. I um, asked if they spoke English more than trying to have a crack. I had a crack at it. It was no good. This two-year-old Colt, his, his half-brother goes around later on the card, and that is Golden Mile. He's the favourite for the Tap and Craig, I think it is. The Calendar Presnell. Race. Calendar yeah, the Presnell. Tap and Craig was last week, wasn't it? Yep. Um, <laughs> anyway, Stanislaus, he's the half-brother, but he's by exceed in the cell. Now, Golden Mile took a bit of time, but Stanislaus exceed in the cell. He throws him a bit earlier, and this horse is... His trials have been sensational. His, run, his work behind King's Gambit when defeated three lengths was really, really good. I walked away from that trial going King's Gambit was good. I thought Stanislaus was just as good. We saw what King's Gambit did. Now, he tried behind Barber on a synthetic track. He was just travelling so strongly under the bridle. Gate number five is $7.50. I'm keen to take that price. Now, I've got a two-bet play for this one because I think infatuation... I've gone one by three on Stanislaus. I think if he doesn't win, he'll be running top three. I'm really confident on this horse, especially as an animal. But infatuation, if it's a wet deck, this horse for the Baker team, it has Colette aboard. It'll lead from gate number two. There's a little bit of speed in this, but there's no actual leaders. He's the outright leader. They ran very quick time for their 800-metre heat at Gosford. And his action, he's a very lightly framed... She's a very lightly framed filly, but she got through the ground really easily. She's another one by Ivan Vincible. I think if it's really wet on the day, soft seven or worse, I've already had a bet on her because I think she's going to go forward. She's going to be hard to catch, but I think Stanislaus the main player of the race for mine. How about some of the uh, the breeding in this race, though? I know you know you're always going to get it with these early two-year-old races. There's going to be a few, you know, really well-bred horses, but you've got. Uh, I, from what I can gather there, you've got the full sister, Fabergé, uh, the full sister to Bivouac. Um, Dipsy Doodle is a full sister to Magic Carpet, who I think won a, she might have won a Magic Knight. Um, obviously, Stanislaus, you just mentioned, um, raises a half-brother to Brigantine. Uh, Kintyre, the, the half-sister, uh, half-brother, sorry, to Fireburn, the Golden Slipper winner. Um, you know, there's, and then coincide as well. It's a, it's a half-brother to uh, Converge, a dual group one winner. So there are some dead set you know, regally, well, blue bloods here really, isn't it? So, and they're all on the blue jackets as well. Well, that's it. They're all uh, they're all the good dolphin horses. I suppose it's been two years since Bivouac, isn't it? So they're it's just on the next way around. Look, mate, that's the way I'm going to go here. Fabergé, um, the the filly by exceeding Excel at a dazzler. Like I said, full full sister to to Bivouac. Uh, he was an absolute gun of a horse. We mentioned him a little bit earlier on in the show, and I can just remember him, you know, as that early two-year-old. He, he was just better than some of the horses that he raced from memory, you know. Like, he um, he was no superstar, but he, what did he do? He ran second to Time to Rain on debut, then third to Dawn Passage, and came out and won a, a Lonro-beating Cosmic Force. So that was all just sort of, you know, after Christmas. But, um, yeah, I, I just thought $17 for a, a full sister to bivouac. I'm happy to back and her trials haven't been that bad either, really. Is Rachel King riding? Um, no, Regan Bayless. Regan Bayless, okay. Um, yep. Yeah, I was going to say Dipsy Doodle. Okay, she's shorter. Because I was going to say Rachel rides a lot for Godolphin, and I was interested to see which horse she would jump on because she's ridden a few of these at the trials, and so has Sammy Clipperton, and that's why I really like the way he's gone with Stanislaus as well because he's ridden this horse on both occasions. He's ridden a few of the others, so I'm glad to see he's sticking there. But, well, mate, that two-year-old race... If you're going to get to Randwick again on Saturday, get out there early because this looks an absolute ripper. Yeah, that's it. And I suppose Sammy Clifford, and he's had a fair bit to do with Golden Mile as well before he went to Melbourne. So um, no doubt uh, a, keen, a, a fan of the breed. 
Mate, uh, anything else that you're sort of liking on that Randwick card? There there are a couple later on in the day that I'm keen on, but uh, is there anything before then? Yeah, I'm playing nice and early. I think race number three, horse number, apologies, race number four, horse number 12, Naval Seal. Now, this horse's trials have been unbelievable. He won really well before going out for a break. Now, he's the first foal's first seal out of Snitzel as well. I think it's a $1.8 million yearling by Coolmore picked up, and he couldn't quite deliver on what they need in regards to their business. But this horse's rapid improvement made in every single run. He finally broke through a Ballarat in the heavy conditions, plowed through the wet, ran really well at Caulfield on Hop on Harry, and then he won at Rose Hill. He did have the leader bias that day, which polished the rail. He snuck up the rail, and as the leader, Will Ingarifio, laid off the fence, he stuck to it and powered through. But his trials under Pikey and McDonald have been sensational. Gate number two, he's going to settle midfield on the fence. There's a few horses here that are going okay, but they've all found their mark. This horse's mark at the moment is about the same as them, but he's going to improve. I think gate number two, I've already taken the price. He's been backed as well. I think if you back him early, just halve your stake now, put half your stake on now, and if the parade's well and the money comes for him, you can put that other half on because I'm really bullish this horse. He's not going to get to the potentials $1.8 million yearling says, but he's going to win more races than most other horses in this field. Yeah, that's it. And uh, what is this Schnitzel out of first field? Was, was that the full brother that won on, on Wednesday in Golden Age? I know he was a... He was out of first heel, whether or not he was a Smiths or cold as well, but he he's definitely yeah, he was definitely out of first heel. I don't know if he was um if he's before Smith's or no. He might have been exceeding Excel or I'm invincible, but um yeah, good uh <laughs> good time for the first heel progeny hopefully. Uh anything else? One, yeah. one more early, race number five, Yee Yee. Now this horse before its fail at the Newcastle Cup, which it just didn't run the trip, it was just it was going massive. Gate number eight, it's another one been back to take the price early because they're ready to play, I believe, on Saturday. Had a tick over trial by Joyful Fortune. Now, a couple of those horses, like Joyful Fortune, um, Shades of Rose came out and ran in the Everest. This horse not only stuck with them through the line, but past the post, it was going right past them. Gets Karen McAvoy aboard, who's had the one sit aboard the horse. This will be a second sit. But he gets a mile, and I think Randwick suits him perfectly. The, the horses he was running behind, the likes of Lord Ardmore, Arapahoe, Durston, in those couple of runs before the Newcastle Cup fail was sensational. Gate number 80 settles midfield just off the fence. There's a few horses in this race that have found their marks, like Big Boy Roy, Purple Sector, Korea Derris. You can't really back them. Diamil, disappointing last week. I couldn't back him. I think he's ready to go, and if he find, he's got so much race fitness on his side. If he finds that form from the first half of his preparation. He could put a big margin on these. Yeah, I agree, mate. Um, he's, he's always sort of been that horse, hasn't he, that has showed plenty of ability. Um, mate, I'm going to go to the next race, race six, and I will be holding off my bet because Willinga Beast, I just read, is going to Mooney Valley. Um, so $3 favourite's going to come out. But a horse that is just... I just can't believe the price, to be completely honest. Miss Hellfire from the Peter and Paul Snowden stable with Sam Clipperton oh. on board. You go you go back through her runs. Like I backed her in a Magic Millions to beat Cool and Gatter. Um, first up, fifth to Zuccarino, Spacewalk. Um, Spacewalk ties into Brunos Noches, who times into Gigi Kick, who's just won an Everest. Um, then she was 1.3 behind Roots and Twilight Affair. Roots' favourite for a Tessio at Mooney Valley on Saturday. And then flopped in the heavy... Um, last out at Caulfield against the, the three-year-old fillies, Boogie Dancer and Sumatra. 
She's been back to the trials. She won a trial. Um, you know, she's she's rock hard fit. She gets into this fourth up with only 54 kilos. If it's uh, so it's top seven now, I don't know what the weather's doing. I'm hoping it's not too much rain around. But do you know what the biggest ad for her as well is? What's that? The blinkers. Yeah. Mm. She she looks like a horse that's really been floating in and out of her races a bit, and if she sees the line, she hits the line. I think the blinkers are going to suit her perfectly. I'm keen to take on a few horses in this field. Um, I completely agree with you. I haven't backed her early because um, I want to see. I was, I'm happy to take the price late, but I completely yep. agree with you. I think the blinkers could really do do mm. massive for her. And she settled. She, where do you have her mapping? Just behind the lead. Yeah, I don't think she'll be too far away. Well, I hope she won't because from memory, when she won at the Gold Coast in that um, Aquas Pearl. She was she was pretty handy in that, and she was just too too good for them. We haven't really seen her get back to back to her best since, but um, I don't think she's far away. And you know, from barrier one, I think Sammy Clipperton really can use that barrier to his advantage. Is there any other plays on the day for you? Yeah, mate. Um, we'll go to the last race for for this one, and it has been really well supported. Um, I took twenty dollars last night. It's into seven dollars fifty now, and that is acquitted from the Chris Lee stable. Dylan Gibbons goes on board. Um, He's only had the handful of, uh, of Australian starts, but this guy, last prep, only had the two runs. Um, 1,200 metres first up at, at Randwick, from memory, it was. Uh, yeah, so this track and distance first up in April. Um, was beaten two lengths, carried 58 kilos that day. Then went to Eagle Farm, um, and it was it was doomed in 10,000 day. The, the meeting they had trans, trans, uh, transported over the road to Eagle Farm there, and he won the last, and he won like an absolutely good thing. He was... Pretty well supported. He paid $7, but after he won that race, people were talking him up as a Stradbroke contender, um, you know, three weeks later, but we we did we just didn't see him again. He got put away, put in the paddock by Lees. He's had two barrier trials this time in now, um, and I just, the way that the money has come for him really early, I, I really like that. Dylan Gibbons, he sat on him in his recent barrier trial. Um, he sticks with him. He takes the two kilos off. I just think... That this horse could be could be really smart, and we could be talking about him in a lot, you know, higher company in uh, six or twelve months' time than what he is in the benchmark eighty-eight. But um, you know, tricky little race, good few good horses, and their wisdom of water. He was disappointing uh, a couple of starts back. He's uh, and even last start with the big weight, he gets the big weight again. Bacchanalia, not sure what to do with it. Clemenceau, a little bit of the same boat, but um, I think Acquitted can be winning the last. And you have to tell us about this certain filly going to Doombin on Saturday. I suppose we we can't uh, can't let us get away with that without mentioning it, can we? Chinny Boom, gee, she's she's back up a price. She's a dollar fifty-five in race two. Um, but look, mate, this this girl, she's she's just a little superstar. She's four from four, um, all in North Queensland and Central Queensland, but. She set the turf alight last start at Rocky. She broke a broke a track record with ease. Um, she was a dollar oh seven that day. She won by eight point three lengths ease down with fifty nine kilos on her back on a soft five. She now gets in with fifty eight barrier five. She just looks like she'll lead, control things, and uh, gee, we'll, we'll have the next weeks uh, come out and have to come out and beat her if she gets beaten. I think on Saturday. Who's the next week's Espiona? Oh jeez, <laughs> apparently, but. Um, she hasn't done much since everyone started saying that, has she? <laughs> no, not quite. She hasn't quite delivered, has she? But I think she's airborne at the moment, Espiona. I think she goes around on Saturday, and if she does, it's a, if it's an improving track, I think she can run a bottler. Yeah, going to have to. 
Mate, anything to leave the punters with? Otherwise, that'll do us on this uh, Cox Plate Eve. No, mate, I've, I've delivered everything. Very good. Well, um, look, punters, thanks for thanks for listening. Hopefully, hopefully a few winners there, a few future winners as well. Hopefully, you you stuck through it because the the internet was a little bit shocking. But anyway, we get there, um, and yeah, we'll uh, we'll chat again soon. Thanks, punters. <laughs>